I'm Brandon. And I'm Julianne. And welcome to Movie Quest. Hello, everybody. We are back with another episode of the Movie Quest podcast presented by Nerd Nexus, folks. And in this episode, I do something I thought I would never do again. And that is watch Thor The Dark World. This film is generally regarded as the probably worst movie in the MCU. But I am here to tell you that, hey, maybe it's not all that bad. Have a listen. All right, we are back with our next movie quest, which is Thor The Dark World, a.k.a. Thor 2. Thor the sequel. Thor the sequel. And uh, I wanted to start this one off because I decided that out of all the Avengers, Thor is my favorite. So I was super excited to see that this one was up next. Yes. So for, that's actually a funny funny that you start off like that because that's kind of, I made that note. Thor is your favorite. We've established that. I would like to know why that is. What qualities of Thor or Chris Hemsworth do you like that makes him your favorite? I just think that, you know, I like seeing a man humbled. Um, and I feel like Tony Stark, like, he has been humbled, but he still, like, just has that, like, kind of braggadocious personality that I don't really love. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just feel like Thor, you know, he's realized his power and the uh, responsibility that comes with it. And, I mean, imagine how bad you would feel if, like, your brother was responsible for, like, tearing down New York City. You yes. know, like, it was all his brother, and it's not that, you know, he needs to take responsibility for that. But when we left off on the Avengers, he was taking Loki back, and, you know, we were led to believe we might not ever see them again, so. Right, yeah, at that time, we, we did not know, so. Um, you're on it today because you've already like chopped in half two of my questions that I already had to ask you. So guess who did their homework? Hit <laughs> you. Yeah. So last time we saw Thor and Loki, they were leaving New York City and they had some kind of contraption mm-hmm. that they twisted and it looked like it had the Tesseract inside of it. And um, it seemed like that sort of powered whatever uh, device that they used to teleport back to Asgard, presumably. Um I believe there was a line in there somewhere about there's no telling how much dark energy Father had to summon to get you back to Earth. And here we have the title of this movie, The Dark World. So it seems like we're going to get into sort of maybe some some dark secrets from Thor's world that are going to come to light, man. New things have come to light, man. Well, I wonder if this will be set on Earth or in his own planet or, you know, it says... 
Restore order across the cosmos. I want to know if Natalie Portman is in this. And I know that I mentioned before that I remember seeing a Thor and Uh a a movie, and I remember watching it because of Natalie Portman. Like, I love Natalie Portman so much, and I think she chooses really – anything she chooses is a good role. And um, maybe maybe it was this one. (laughs) I will – spoiler, Natalie Portman is in this movie. Yes. So – yeah, maybe this is a movie that you saw. Um, so we're now officially into Marvel Phase 2. The first Marvel Phase 2 movie was Iron Man 3. Mm-hmm. So we, we established on the last episode how we felt about Iron Man 3. So just six months later or so, give or take, uh, they release Thor The Dark World into theaters in, the I guess, November of 2013. Um, unlike the other, some of the other movies, I had personal anecdotes about where I was when I saw this and what was going on in my life. I have no freaking recollection of seeing this movie. I know I've seen it. I know where I was in that month of my life. Like I, I can, I can remember. Probably at the movies with another girlfriend. Could have been. Probably, in fact. But I, yeah, I don't remember seeing this. I don't have any fun stories about seeing it. Pretty sure I was hammered at an Alamo draft house here in Austin. I did live here in Austin at the time. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to say too much more about that. I want to save that kind of stuff for after the movie. But um, I'm excited to watch this because, like I said, like Iron Man three, Thor two, I really kind of have a black hole where this movie should go, and I don't remember a lot of the plot. I remember like the big plot points that. Like that are the takeaways going forward in the Marvel universe, but yeah. there's a lot of stuff here that I'm like, um, I don't actually remember this. So anyway, that's it's exciting to to see. What kind of expectations do you have for this thing? What are you hoping to resolve? Were there any issues that you uh, maybe? Hey, what the, what's the deal with that guy, or what's the deal with uh, the Tesseract, or whatever? No, I mean, I know that from what you've explained, like, everything kind of explains itself in the end. Um, so, no, I don't really have any burning questions. Like, I mean, I wonder what Loki's going to be up to next. Yeah, what kind of um, what kind of shenanigans is he going to get oh, up to? Oh, you know what? Well, the dad was, like, asleep, you know, like, Odin. dead asleep. Odin was asleep. Yeah. And, um, and I know that Loki, like, Thor was led to believe one thing, and then... Um, you know, Loki told him another thing. But yeah. two things, two different things happened. One that was being told to Thor and something else was what actually happened. I can't quite remember. But um, maybe we'll see how the family There's, that's family a, resolution. That's a great note because this movie has a lot to do with the family dynamic. Ooh, I hope we get to see the Rainbow Road again. What's it called? The Bifrost. Rainbow Road. Yeah, I mean, part of this, I mean, that's literally what it is. That's <laughs> from, you know, the Rainbow Road of legend. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh... You know, I don't know that we get to see the Bifrost, like, in actuality, but I know that um, this movie deals a lot with the repercussions of the Bifrost being destroyed, because there's a lot of implications there, man. You know, Earth and the other realms are cut off from Asgard, or rather, Asgard is cut off from the other nine realms. So, you know, what what are the what are the repercussions when you're you're on an island? Um, and so how do they deal with that sort of stuff? So definitely going to get into that a little bit. Um, I'm excited because one funny note that I think we mentioned on like the one of the past episodes is that 
they dyed Chris Hemsworth's eyebrows blonde for the first Thor movie. And it looks like he was, a, I mean, I'm sure he's wearing a wig, but it looks like a cheap wig. Yeah, and it's probably still a wig here, but he's got regular Chris Hemsworth face. Uh, this is, it's fun because at this point he's full-fledged like superstar. Mm-hmm. Even in 2013, he'd already been in Thor 1 and then the Avengers, there's action figures of him now at this point, And like, it's full bore, like, let's, let's knock this out of the park. And I will let you determine if they do that successfully. So, you ready to watch it? I am. I'm excited to see where it goes with him and Natalie Portman. <laughs> okay, I just, cool. I love a, what is it, um, what do they say in Romeo and Juliet? Star-crossed lovers. I mean, they're literally from different universes, so. It's funny. Okay, so quick note about this. I was about to, I was about to just end this and get going, but. <laughs> Sorry. So this movie, maybe more so than any other Marvel movie up to this point, Probably, in fact, and maybe even since then, kind of went through development hell. Um, Kenneth Branagh said that he would like to return to a di- to direct the sequel. He directed the first one. Mm-hmm. Sir Kenneth Branagh, got to be respectful. And by the time it came ready to get, get rolling, uh, Branagh had been replaced by a different director, um, a guy who had directed some of the Game of Thrones episodes, I believe. Then he left the project, and Patty Jenkins was officially announced as the director. Patty Jenkins went on to direct World, or uh, sorry, Wonder Woman. Um, so Patty Jenkins is an established director, and then she actually left the project also because they said she was on record saying that she would have loved to have made the movie under the right circumstances, but she had creative differences with the studio. They wanted to tell one story. She said, I wanted to tell more of a Shakespearean tale that was like Romeo and Juliet in space, where two star-crossed lovers couldn't be together because Thor had been cut off and was in Asgard, Mm. whereas Jane Foster was on Earth, and the bad guy of this movie would have um, used, you know, or or Odin's lack of care for Midgard, that's Earth, uh, he, Odin doesn't care about Earth, and so he would have um, used that to his advantage when trying to pull off his master plot. Mm-hmm. But that's not the movie that they wanted to make. And so Patty Jenkins left the project, and they eventually got Alan Taylor to direct this movie. Alan Taylor was already well-established as a Game of Thrones director. Oh, and he wanted so to be about family strife. Exactly. And he so he wanted to make this a little bit more grounded, um, a little bit less science fiction y and action y and a little bit more Oh, maybe I'll like it. Maybe more. yeah, Game of Thrones feel. So um okay. let's see if you think that works. Um anything else to say before we get it cranked? No, I'm excited. Alright, let's do it. Thor, the Dark World, back in a sec. All right, so we just finished finished Thor, the Dark World, the Dark World, and I did not at all like that movie. <laughs> Man, how did I know you were going to say? I that? was about to, before I was going to say my opinion. Oh wait, we turned these back on, right? Yeah, I know. Okay. Um, I was going to ask you, what do you do? You think I liked it? No, I could tell you didn't because. 
Um, you were just sitting over here quietly. You picked up your, I, I know you're taking notes, but you were losing focus. And at one point, like with 45 minutes left in the movie, you paused it to check on the time. It was about 35 minutes in where I was like, all right, this is not my thing. And I knew going into all these movies that they, I haven't seen them for a reason. I've uh-huh. chosen not to see them. Um, and so, you know, I knew going into it that I would have to kind of push through when there were ones that I didn't like or whatever. Sure. But this one, I just, my focus was, compl- I was, I was, my focus was gone. I could not keep my focus. <laughs> and I don't want to say, I never want to say it was a bad movie. Sure. Be- I, I just did not like it. That was 100% not my kind of movie. <laughs> okay. So I did not... That was a waste of two hours for me. Damn. Okay, so can I tell you something? Yes. This movie is consistently, like when you see websites um, rank the Marvel movies, which you shouldn't do, right. frankly, because it's a it's an exercise in folly, but nevertheless, I click them, so whatever. <laughs> but um, this movie is consistently ranked as the worst Marvel Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, you so know, it can only go up from here. <laughs> yes, indeed. And you know what that tells me? It tells me that you're really starting to have your fingers on the pulse. You know what a bad movie is. Yeah, I just feel so bad saying that. because It's people, okay. They made people, millions of dollars. I know, this. but my thing is that I don't want to offend the people who put a lot of time and effort and money into this. Yeah. So I don't want to just be flipping and say, this movie was terrible and it's not worth anything. Like, I think that's fair. I mean, that's a good, it's a great way to look at it, right? Right now, the way that the fandom is, not just for Marvel, especially like for Star Wars and some of the other fan bases out there for stuff, like the fandom has never been more toxic. Like fans in general think that they are owed certain things and, you know, um, crowd pleasing character arcs and story beats and things like that. And when, like, the greatest example is Game of Thrones fandom. If you read the subreddits, the various subreddits that are dedicated to Lord of, or to Game of Thrones, like they just had all these wild ass theories about, you know, who was really a Targaryen and who was a character in hiding, and Varys was actually a merman, and all this. <laughs> Patchface was a, a a missing Targaryen, and all this crazy shit, and none of it fucking holds any goddamn water. And yet, when that thing that never held any water to begin with didn't bear out in the show, fuck, fans were super pissed. And just going on the internet, blowing people up, and like giving, like sending death threats to actors and shit like that. Oh my God. Yeah, it was completely out of control. So I think it's appropriate for you to say that, you know, at the end of the day, like these are humans who they tried real hard to make this movie. Yeah, they had their own vision. Yeah. It just, it's okay to say, it just didn't work. Well, just, I have a lot of notes. Good, um, good. Uh, mostly just uh, not good things. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Okay, um, so let's just... Hold on, hold on. I, wanna right, say, go, I wasn't go finished ahead. with my thought. Go ahead. Um, but I was going to say, all in all, I can say that it was just all over the place. Like, there was, I couldn't hold, grab hold of anything. Yeah. I totally agree with you, by the way. Yeah. Like, I, there is a reason I didn't like this movie. You remember, you didn't remember it. I didn't remember seeing it, but I know that I didn't like it. And I was trying not to say that to you beforehand. Mm -hmm. Um, and let you know that what you were about to watch was not something you're going to like. I've been dreading this movie because I I knew it was bad. Well, I got through it. You can debate Iron Man three all day. There's a lot of people who say Iron Man three is not good. There's a lot of people that really like it. 
Um, and uh, actually, a lot of people don't like Iron Man two, but like they're still up for debate. Universally, everyone dislikes this movie. And I mean, I, I had blacked out. I had blacked it out in my mind on purpose because I knew it was bad, and I was like. Listen, I'm pretty sure that the main things that we need to know out of this movie are that Loki is alive, mm-hmm. and that but Thor thinks he's dead, and that there was something called the Ether, which is one of they mentioned the term Infinity Stone at the end. We'll come to that, but I was like, as long as you know that, I think we can just move on from this movie <laughs> and not remember any of it. And I yeah. totally agree with you that like watching it play out now, like. The editing was crazy. It was like just, especially in the first half of the movie, we were jumping from Asgard to Vanaheim to Svaldbardsheim to Earth to London to, and there was like comedy flying around. To, uh, Natalie Port- air quote, quote unquote comedy. Yeah, there's Pat a lot. Dennings was terrible. Sorry. Yeah. And it's just like the movie never found its tone at mm, all. Right. It was freaking. Couldn't sink your teeth into anything. Yeah, I I liked how it started out though. How like you know, well, let me rephrase that. The very 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 beginning, uh, it was like way too alieny for me. So I was like, oh, I no. actually wrote down this note. Okay, so let's just jump into yeah, the beginning of the movie. In. Is that cool? Yeah. All right, so um, we start off with a prologue that uh, it had uh, dark elves and the ether, which was like a floaty sort of alien-y looking thing, like came straight from Prometheus. This prologue really struck me as very Lord of the Rings prologue. Very, mm-hmm. um, in, in such that it was, it had elves, those mm-hmm. costumes, you can't help but look at those and, at the Asgardian costumes and think of the last alliance of elves and men. And in this <laughs> scenario, the dark elves are, you know, the elves in, in this movie are the bad guys. And so we have Thor's father, Bor, Who's a real character? Thor and Bor. Thor and Bor and Odin. Sorry, he's Odin's father, Bor. And, um, you know, there's there's a battle or whatever, and, like, they fight or whatever, and they, you know, imagine that the Aether is a stand-in for the One Ring, and they're like, we're going to hide it, get rid of it, so that nobody ever finds it. Does that ever work out? No. It gets found, of course. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I noticed that there was a lot of, like, right off the bat, I was like, there's tech space magic and there's technology there's a lot of spaceships and shit mm-hmm. which is pretty not how the first Thor was right yeah I mean the first Thor was very different yeah yeah it was more like singular this is a singular problem let's just deal with this one problem yeah was it so all over the place yeah it was yeah there was it was a little it's like okay the tone just seems like it's gonna be different but okay, so we're rocking and rolling. Um, one thing that right off the bat in this movie that struck me that um, I don't know if you know, I'm sure I'm sure this is why a part of the reason why you could barely see and watch it. But everything in this goddamn movie is so dark. I mean that literally. Like mm-hmm. it is a dark movie that you have to squint your eyes to see things. Mm-hmm. There's never a bright moment. Maybe some parts of Asgard, but like I literally found myself wondering if my brightness on my TV was down. <laughs> I actually didn't notice that. And it, like, made my eyes hurt. It made me want to look away from the screen. <laughs> That's so funny, because Brandon and I are always going back and forth. Like, my eyes are really sensitive, and so, like, the light on my phone, it, the brightness on my phone is really, really low. And anytime I'm like, hey, come look at this on my phone, he's like, oh, my God, I can't see anything. Yeah. So it's actually funny that I didn't notice that at all in the movie. Probably looked great to you. Yeah. 
I liked how after the, you know, they had the, the first battle. I don't remember what happened. I was already checking out. Um, I liked how, you know, they're in the bar and everyone's celebrating and Thor's kind of looking around and seeing everyone happy and like with a woman and whatever. And he, you know, he seems like he has everything except Jane. And so I kind of liked how it started off like that. Because yeah. um, we know in the movie before, she's like waiting for him. Right. And then obviously he never shows up. And so... You know, but Thor is still, like, looking over her, but she doesn't know that. And so it was nice to know that he was still hung up on her. That's every girl's dream. Thor cares. Yes. Yeah, I I think that the ending to Thor 1 is one of the best endings to any of the Marvel movies where, um, where Thor, and I believe it might, I don't think it's Odin, I believe it's Thor and Heimdall are looking out over the broken edge of the Bifrost looking at Jane thinking about her and he's like one day I'll get back to her. I love that ending. And I like that it does carry through here. Like he's got some business to handle. They uh, there at the beginning they are battling in a place called Vanaheim. There's a battle, there's some orc looking guys, and then giant rock man shows up. There's always some huge creature that oh no, they can't they can't kill this guy, but yeah, then it's they a just boss, do. it's a mini boss to use a video <laughs> game term term. Yeah. So, of course, he dispatches mini-boss very quickly, and everybody lays down their arms. Um, and then, yeah, the, then we get to the celebration, and yeah, Thor, everybody's, you know, revelry and partying and whatever, and uh, and uh, Thor's not there for it, though. He, and, he, and his absence is noticed. He kind of confronts... Uh, yeah, his, fr- his girl, friend girl. Her name is Lady Sif. Do they, like, did, did, were they trying to lead us to believe she, like, had a little crush crush on him, yes. maybe? Okay. Yes, indeed. And, like, but it wasn't overly done, which, correct. it was very subtle. Yeah, and, you know, something that you mentioned in, I think this just is your Scarlett Johansson hatred, but, you know, you have, multi- on multiple occasions, just said that she was overly sexualized and was just an object, eye candy kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, to their credit, they do a good job here of making Lady Sif not that. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, gratuitous, like, her walking away and you see her ass yeah, type she, of Yeah, she's, shot. like, in the battle. She's one of the guys. Yeah, one mm-hmm. of the Broskis and also a badass warrior. And, mm-hmm. yeah, she has, a you know, a conversation with Thor at one point where, you know, she tells him, hey, man, we notice that you're not, you're not here with us. And then also, you know, later on in the movie... Uh, she gets a glimpse at Jane Foster and they yes, kind of make eyes uh-huh. at each other. She's like, this mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think she definitely... And even, you know, Odin even said, like, you need to let old Earthling go and you need to focus on what's right in front of you. And it cuts to... He, like, nods his head and Sif is over there, you know, sword fighting or whatever. And Thor's like, ah, you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. You know? So, yeah, there was definitely supposed to be sort of a... You know which girl does Thor really like? And I, I, I'm a huge fan of Jamie Alexander. That's the actress that plays Lady Sif. Um, you might know her from a TV show on NBC where she's got she's. It's basically date or uh, Christopher Nolan memento. She's got tattoos all over her body, and the FBI or whatever is trying to like decipher the tattoos. And it's called like I think the show's called Jane Doe. You remember this at all? Anyway, like, Jamie Alexander is, like, this close to being, like, a real superstar kind of actress. But she plays, obvious little side character in, in these movies. But I thought, I, I like that that part of this movie. Like yeah, that whole good. subplot. Um, also, at the beginning of the movie was Loki's trial. Right off the bat. 
he is being led through the th- throne room, and Odin's pissed, bro. Mm-hmm. And he sentences him to a cell below Asgard, somewhere in the dungeons. Yeah, like a fashion dungeon. What was up with <laughs> A fashion dungeon. Yeah. What do you mean? Describe the fashion well, dungeon. they were clean. Also, were hashtag white. fashion dungeon. Yeah, they were clean. They were white. I don't know. I mean, I guess they wanted to make it look like mystical and like sci-fi or whatever. Well, how are you going to hold a magical being behind bars? You can teleport. You gotta have, uh, you know, some laser gates or whatever. That's like you were walking into, like, a Gucci outlet or something. It's like a, uh, Austin's hottest club is the dungeon. Yeah. Yeah, so Thor is down there. I mean, uh, sorry, Loki is down there. He's been cast off, and so now we kind of know what's going on. So, yeah, anyway, so Thor, Thor and the gang are trying to sort of quell the violence that erupted after Bifrost is destroyed. Uh, meanwhile, over on Earth, Jane and Darcy. Oh God, Cat Dennings. I'm sorry. I don't know. I mean, I know that like that was her character from yeah, the first Thor, uh, but she would. I don't want to say Cat Dennings was terrible. That character was terrible. It wasn't funny. It provided no comic relief. I it was to- actually distracting. Yes, I totally agree with you. Her her brand of humor is perfect for. A CBS sitcom. Yeah. And that's where she works now. Yeah. Two Broke Girls or whatever. And, Um, like, no hate. Do your thing, Kat Dennings, but... Shout out. Yeah, not my thing. But, yeah, no, it's totally outrageous. Yeah, and the whole thing with, like, Ian, she was, like... That was, like, that whole banter was just so annoying. Yeah, I wasn't here for it. I did not enjoy any of that. With 100%. And I also have to say, well... I'll let you take us to the next scene, and then I'll add my... Okay, so... I don't know where you're at. So right after this, um, this is when Jane discovers that there's some weird gravitational anomaly type of thing. Mm -hmm. And they're doing bits where they throw Coke cans and stuff through the porthole or whatever, and it's fallen, and, whoa, it's weird, man. And Ian's like, well, I'm going to throw the car keys. And then they disappear and don't come back. She's like, did you just throw the car keys? Whoa. Like, expecting a huge roar of laughter. So, I guess... Natalie, or Jane Foster ends up in the dark world, the titular dark world, and she touches the goo. Bit of advice. Okay, we've seen this in too many movies. If you see alien goo, don't touch it. Right? Prometheus, once again. There's countless movies. I can only name two, though. But in this one, she touches the goo. She gets the goo infection. She gets the goo on her. And, uh, then teleports back, and meanwhile, there's a cool scene uh, where Heimdall and Thor are talking about Jane, and uh, And he's he's like, I can't see her, and so Thor just teleports there. So he could have done that all along? That's part of my question. That's what I thought. I was like, so he's just here now? Could he have not, like, dropped in, and then... It appears that there are no, you know, qualifications on when they can and can't use Bifrost. And so he's just beaming up and down, and apparently he's just been really busy for two years and couldn't drop in on her. I was actually coming into this under the impression that Bifrost was broken, it hadn't been repaired yet. Like, they could have, like, fixed all of these problems if they would have just, like, had, like, a scene in there with, like, a christening of the refinished and repaired Bifrost or something like that. And in the meantime... You know, Odin is weak because he's been using dark magic to teleport people to the different realms to 
and they couldn't spare Odin's strength on something so trivial as forcing his squeeze on Earth. Like, I, I just fucking came up with that off the top of my head, and I have never written a Hollywood script. So, like, these are problems that you can you can work around. And you're right, it's a total plot hole that he just fucking shows up. Yeah. So I was like, okay. And then he beams her up because they're like, we're going to arrest you. Yeah, because she's got the goo inside of her. Yeah, I don't like when you call her. What, what do you want me to call it? Yeah, what, what's it called in the movie? The ether. The ether. Let's call it the ether. All right. The evil so ether. She's got the, the evil ether inside of her. Yes. And uh, so, yeah, he beams her to Asgard. And then I actually thought the space travel was really beautiful. Like when. The doodly doo colors. Yeah, so when they're like, it reminded me of Contact. Ooh, God, what um, but yeah, I thought that was really pretty, and I always like how you know when Thor's like looking out in Asgard, it's like really the galaxy and like all the moons. Like I think that's really pretty. Yeah. So I like that. But something that I noticed is when Jane got to Asgard, she just like turned really, really sassy. But like <laughs> okay. in, in, a, in a, I didn't notice this in um, a lack of self awareness kind of way. So, like, in the first movie, like, we know she's, like, a science person, and she, like, you know, she said herself, like, I don't ever have people over, I don't have a social life. So she's, like, you know, just kind of one of those maybe socially awkward people, and then she meets Thor, and then she, like, falls in love. And okay. So I guess we don't really get that much of her personality that much in the first Thor. Yeah. And so for this one, when she gets up there, she's, like, being sassy to Odin. And yeah, to the, the right. all-father, Who do you think, like, obviously she, like, imagine if you went to another world and you were on someone else's turf, you wouldn't talk to someone like that. And, like, I get, like, the whole, like, female empowerment kind of thing, but, like, read the room. Chill out, bro. Yeah. Chill I, out. I, and, you know, again, like, I think part of that is played for comedic relief when she's like, oh, like asking the, I get the right, irony of it, right, but like, right. I just don't think it hit it as, just, a, right. as a joke. It, it wasn't funny. funny. It wasn't fucking funny. It wasn't funny! <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, okay, meanwhile, so she's on, she's on Asgard and she's got the evil ether in her, and that makes, I guess, her touching the ether has awakened the dark elves who have been... You know, whatever, floating, uh, floating in space somewhere. You know, uh, in cryo sleep or whatever. And uh, yes, to your point, there's a lot of space shots. You know, with a nebula in the background, or uh, you know, whatever. I thought I love that, and I. This will not shock you, but that is starting to tie into a bigger world that we're going to be really getting into soon. So, when you see some of the upcoming movies, it's not going to be a deep shock to you to see some of the space stuff. Um, so. I'm into that, but as far as the dark elves go, do you buy them as a threat? Are they phony, or well, were you freaked out? By uh, my next, my next note here is really dark and creepy elves. Yeah, and there were so many different kinds of weird, creepy things. I couldn't. I don't even know which ones you're talking about right now. Yeah, there. I mean, there was so much going on, and like maybe some people might like that, like how there's all these different worlds and realms. Sure interacting and on top of each other and I just it just confused me and maybe that makes me a small minded person I don't know but I just thought that they were weird and creepy and like I didn't you know just not into it at I all. think that this is a good time to mention that I think that there's some really cool production design throughout this movie I'm not sure that a lot of it gets the spotlight that it deserves but you know, I think that, like, some of the cool new stuff that we see in Asgard is really cool. Like, the Viking ships that they fly around, like, the skiffs. Those are cool, the things that go invisible. 
Well, no, that's the Dark Elves ships. Oh. Um, the Viking, the ones that look like Viking ships with wings on the back of them. And they're kind of open-topped to that Thor and then fly around in. Super cool. There's like some Asgardian artillery cannons or AAA cannons, as I like to think of them. And those, I thought those were badass. Um, there's like the shield that goes around the castle or whatever. Like there's a lot, there's a lot of cool stuff. And then there's a lot of cool um, stuff with the Dark Elves. I thought their costumes were cool. Creepy, but cool. Like they, we're talking about the white masks. Oh, with like the dead eyes. Yeah, creepy, but cool. Yes. But cool. And um, you got the ships. There was one that was like a giant cross kind of floating through the sky. Cool. I'm not sure if it feels right for a Marvel movie. And then the super, like, the B-wing fighter from Star Wars, but kind of like a sword also that they're flying around spinning real fast and stuff. I think that's really cool. But to me, it felt more like Chronicles of Riddick bad guys the Necromancers or whatever, which is not a deep cut, but I'm sure you haven't seen that movie, but it just doesn't feel right for this somehow. So, yeah, it's a little, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. They just didn't work. And what about main bad guy, Malekith? Oh, the, like, I mean. Not the really big one. Right. But, like, the one with the fucking. The braids. Yeah, the braid with the white, yeah. with the white braid. I don't know. I mean, I didn't really care. I, I literally stopped caring. Caring. That's like, the sign of a bad movie. Like, I would just watch it. Like, yes, there was a point where I got on my phone and I was like, okay, like, I can be doing something more productive right now. Yeah. But, like, I'll just watch it and just, like, my mind will just be somewhere else. You're like, I like watching it. The next thing I put on here was confused about the dude with the thing in his gut. Okay, so this leads us to... I don't even really care. You don't I was just like, what? Who is this guy? (laughs) And like, they just, he's like, stabs him and he's like, put this in your gut. And then, (laughs) I don't know. Okay, so this is clearly like, I don't know. I know this is, Curse is a character in the comics that is like, supposed to be like as strong as Thor. And he had the, he also had some of the, a droplet of the evil ether in him and that changed him into really tough guy with horn face or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. So, oh, that was him? Yeah, that was, yeah, it was, that was him. So, oh, yeah, then he gave him like that, yeah, okay. Okay, so yeah, they had him like at the beginning of the movie in the prologue. There were a couple of people that were the cursed, and they like crushed Curse up. Cursed with a, a K. Yeah, yeah, that's how you know it's extreme. And so they crush up a little amulet or whatever, and, uh, you know, that makes them real tough or whatever. So anyway, they got one guy left, apparently who can do that. And so they, I don't know, plant him as a prisoner and they put him in the dungeon and he goes, he goes full curse and starts a prison break. Okay. Which we then, and he almost lets Loki out, but then he doesn't let Loki out. And that, it turns out that prison break is actually just a distraction while the rest of the dark elves show up. And it turns out that they're after the evil ether that Jane Foster has in her body. So they show up, they attack the castle, there's lasers going on, and they crash one of their ships into the castle, and they come out, and they're throwing anti-gravity space grenades at everybody that are, like, sucking people into a, you know, mm-hmm. black hole or whatever. Yeah. Weird, cool. That was, that was pretty cool. That's cool. And I so, was like, that first time that happened, I was like, oh, shit, where'd that guy go? <laughs> oh, no. Where'd he go? He's the size of one atom now. Yeah, that's real bad. Um, 
And so, yeah, it turns out they're after Jane Foster. They make it to the the chambers of Frigga, who is Odin's wife. You like that name? Frigga. Frigga. Frigga off. She tells him to frig off, and she tries to fight him with a sword. And she actually was kind of badass, wasn't she? Who? Frigga. Renee Russo. Thor's mom. Yeah, no, I, I know. When? When, right before she got murdered, okay. bro. No, that's... Uh, okay, I just want to make sure. Yeah, so like, like, literally, my brain went away for a couple Malachith of Malachith shows up, and he's like, can yes, we do this yes, stuff, yes. whatever, and she sword fights the hell I know. I, my next thing is badass queen fighting scene. Yeah. I loved how she was, like, really... She reminded me of... No. Who am I thinking of? Maybe it's a movie 300. Okay. Sure. Russell Crowe is... No, it's not Russell Crowe. No, no, no. Who's in Who's in Three Hundred? Gerard Butler. Yes, Gerard Butler's wife. She. I don't know if you can picture her. She. Anyway, she's like this this badass warrior woman, but like. Was it Lena Headey? I have no Lina idea. Lina Matriarch. I don't know. Yeah. Matriarch of the family, like strong, badass, and she reminded me of that. Like she's like, I'm going to protect my family. I'm not going to tell you fucking anything. Yeah. So, and she was just like willing to die keeping her family safe. And I thought that was really cool. I did too. And then my, I really, well, did you want to say anything about that? I mean, no, I, I, that was hardcore when he was like, she said, I'm not telling you shit. He's like, I believe you. Yeah. And then big guy, curse, stabbed her. Rude. <laughs> yes. Very and then it was the, you know, like she dies and then everyone's sad about it. And I thought that the, you know, it's cool to, for me to go back and forth between like Asgard and then London. Like, you know, that's why one of the things I liked in the first store was like the back and forth between like the sciencey other world and then our Gr- world and grounded. kind of going back yeah. and back and forth. And so I think, it, I think it's cool how to think about how different worlds, you know, just like in our world, different cultures have different way of doing things like different ways to, mm-hmm honor the dead or have marriages or whatever and so it was cool to see like their death ritual yeah their viking funeral yeah thing. and like it was like so beautiful like when you know i know like you, you set them off on the ocean and light it on fire do not ever do that to me though that's actually what i want you to do to me no yes because then the ocean's scary the dude in the river here in austin like the Guadalupe or something. Just put, a, a, just put me on an inner tube and shoot, <laughs> uh, play shoot a bow and arrow, at, a flaming arrow at me. Fill the tube with helium oh, so that it's explode or hydrogen. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Blow it up. Anyway, I thought it was beautiful how he like, you know, she's about to go off the edge of the waterfall and Odin like, you know, hits his staff. Yeah. And then she like went out and then just like, her, her soul became stars in the galaxy. Yeah. And I was just like... Yeah, it's super sick. I'm pretty sure that, that was part, really of, cool. part of Norse mythology was that, like, the constellations and the stars mm-hmm. are, like, being, you know, represented. Like, that's one of the gods. And it's definitely a, a feature of Greek, yeah. uh, ancient Greek culture. So, yeah, she, she joined her, uh, you know, her ancestors in the stars. Yeah, I, I absolutely wrote a note on here about the Asgardian funeral. Mm-hmm. Super cool. Like, she had... They gave her a warrior's funeral. She had her sword on her. And, and like, put, the beautiful veil. I just thought it was really yeah. nice. Oh, and they had, like, these orbs. I wasn't really paying attention because I got my phone to type that note. But everyone who was there was holding, like, orbs or something like that. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, it's cool to see a little glimpse into their culture. I totally agree. And I, 
that didn't add anything to the plot of the movie, and yet it was still one of the strongest scenes. The same way that, like, in The Avengers, some of the stuff where it's just Banner and Tony talking, and you just get to see him just roll with it or whatever, you know? Some of the... when Not when the action isn't happening. You get a glimpse into who these people really are is some of the strongest stuff. So I totally agree with you. I love that scene. So from there we go into kind of this... Our, our heroes are thrown into disarray. We're entering the third act of the movie. This, this is point. literally where I had stopped it, probably, to check the time. Yeah. It's like, from here on, I'm like, you know, you're going to need to take it away, because I, I don't know. There's, I think that there's something, I think that, um, like, this montage-type scene that comes next after this is, like, actually some of the strongest stuff in the movie, uh, but... You know, you shouldn't have to tell your movie as a montage. Like, it's one thing, like, if you're watching Rocky and he's doing a training montage where he's punching a bunch of cattle in a, in a fucking freezer. Like, you're not moving the story forward. And yet, we're telling this story of how they're going to do a escape from Asgard from Odin's own thumb. But they're doing it mostly as a montage. That was kind of weird. So, they're in a dark room with Heimdall. And they're going over this plan while we see it actually act, being acted out. Kind of like um, you see in Ocean's Eleven a little bit. Same kind of trick where it's edited together as it's being narrated sort of thing. It's cool. Um, not sure it fits, but I'll allow it. But um, yeah, we see like Sif doing some stuff. And she like breaks Jane Foster out. Uh, her part is to break Jane out and get her to Thor. And then um, two of the warriors, three are defend or covering their exit. They go to capture this um, elf ship, and they're going to escape out of it. And key to the plan, of course, is freeing Loki. They fall for Loki's shenanigans, and they let him out of prison. And he swears up and down he's not going to betray anybody. There's definitely a meme in there that has definitely gotten some traction on the internet through the years, where it's. Um, Loki leaning against the wall of his cell, and he says, "You must be really desperate to come to me for help." Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that meme? Yeah. Definitely a thing. Um, yeah. Seeing when he's walking with Thor, and he, you know, and he lets him out. Like that was funny, but it was also like annoying. Like Loki was just really annoying, a little over the top. Yeah, like we get it, you're mischievous. What is- like it was funny how he like turned into like Captain America. Yeah, I, did, I, was, I definitely was going to ask you about that. Yeah, that cool uncredited. Like, that's not even, yeah, I don't think he's in the credits at all as, uh, as Captain America, but uh, it was very cool of Chris Evans to show up and shoot that. Probably he was done in one hour. I love how you're like, it was so nice of him after they paid him like a million dollars to do that. Yeah, he it's probably so nice of him to he do probably that. didn't get any money for that. Uh, I highly doubt that. Who can say? Who can say? Well, probably his agent. Well, well, yeah, let's reach out to him. Chris, <laughs> if you hear this. Um, and so, yeah, so Loki's out, and looks like what their trick is going to be is to fly ship out of there. Make it look like they fake their death, or do they do a couple rope-a-dope type moves, and they make it to, I don't know, a portal in a mountain that transforms them to Shadow Planet or whatever. And so the Dark Elves were going to re-attack Asgard again because Jane Foster and the evil Aether was there. And then they got out from out of Asgard, and they're like, well, we don't need to attack Asgard anymore. They came to us. So there's a confrontation out on the desert where, uh, you know, this is, again, one of those scenes that's just real dark. can't see anything. Fucking clouds everywhere and shit. 
It was probably cool to see in the theater. Yeah, I mean, you know? I remember being there and being like, what? So, um, yeah, so they make it out, and they, they get a cursed guy. They get him caught in a mega gravity grenade or whatever. Thor actually, or Loki sacrifices himself, or almost sacrifices himself, to save Jane Foster's life. Thor rescues him. Then Curse shows up and he gets Loki stabs him, and then Curse grabs Loki and squeezes him into the sword. But then gravity grenade blows up, and then we get a scene where Loki dies. At the time, you know, knowing what you know now is one thing, but at the time, were you like, "Oh no, Loki!" or what was your reaction? I was just like. Oh. I mean, I was kind of indifferent. Like, I was pretty checked out at that time. But, I mean, we've seen Loki die before. So, I mean, I guess we just saw him, like, fly off of something, and then we don't know if he died or not. So, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if Loki showed up in another movie. I thought Loki was annoying in this movie, so it's not like I hoped he died. I don't ever wish anyone was dead. But I was just like, okay, I'm not really ready for this movie to be over. Oof. All right, well, it's almost over because Malekith um, steals the evil ether from Jane Foster sucks it right out of her body, and then he, you know, takes off or whatever to go do whatever his master plan is, which I guess... Yeah, I guess what his bit is, he's waiting for the convergence where all the nine realms align, Uh and there's portals open everywhere, and then he's gonna, like, release the ether and destroy everything to take the universe back to the way it was before. He wants it all to be dark or something. Yeah, you know, obviously he's a bad guy. He wants dark world. So... Anyway, so this is where we get to the climactic battle of the movie where they're in, you know, they get Selvig out of wherever he's at and he starts drawing lines on a map from, I kind of think it's cool, they're talking about pyramids and Stonehenge and all this, like, ancient relics that we don't, you know, know the origins of in real life here on Earth. And he's drawing lines and stuff and they all intersect, um, coincidentally, in Greenwich uh, outside of England and... Which seems to be a geographically important location. It's where the uh, Prime Meridian runs right through Greenwich. Um, there's a slight Doctor Strange connection to London that we might touch on later on in another episode. But yeah, okay, so we're going to go with London for the final battle. And, I don't know, Darcy's running around putting stakes in the ground. The elves show up. The portals are aligning. And then we get, I wrote down, my note was portal goofing. We do portal goofing because Thor and Malekith square off. We got fighter jets flying through portals onto Vanaheim. We have giant monster, ice monster from Jotunheim from the first movie. You remember that guy? The big dog looking thing that was jumping around. No. It was at the, I remember it at the very, very the end. Very, I don't remember yeah. it in the movie. He just blacked out. I literally stopped watching. Yeah, so anyway, there's Portal Goofin. There's one really interesting kind of implications when Thor throws his hammer through a portal and it appears somewhere else entirely. And then it's, as he calls the hammer back to himself, it's apparently going to take a trillion years to travel across space. And then a portal reopens and it takes a beeline back in the other direction. And so we got all kinds of portal related shenanigans, which. Yeah, and they keep like. Disappearing into other portals, and yeah. I'm like, oh my that god, yes. Then, like, some people might th- like think that that was really, really cool. I was not one of those people. Yeah, I wasn't either. Honestly, I started checking out. 
I was like, okay, I get it. Honestly, I don't even know what really happened there at the very end with with Malakith. I guess he would like trying to summon some ether or whatever, and uh, I guess that his spaceship so they did something, and he f- went back to Cloud Roll, and his spaceship landed on him or something. I don't know. I don't know. He died. Anyway, he's dead. So hey, you were saved, and then the conjunction of the spheres is over now, and uh, yeah, hey, we have saved the universe once again. That's pretty. And it goes back to Asgard. Yeah. And so we find that. Oh yeah, he goes back and he has convo with Odin, or so he thinks, because it's really Loki. It's so annoying. Like you know, I'd actually be really interested to read the comic books or a comic book. So obviously they're drawing from those. Yeah. And like I like I wonder if that like that's one of the things in the comic books Loki just never dies and he keeps popping up. But in movies it's annoying. Yeah, I mean he's the trickster god, you know. He's doing bits everywhere. It's everything's a bit. And so yeah, well, it, 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 it begs it, the question: Where is Odin for real? Yeah. You know. Uh-huh. Yeah, and also I feel like um, cheapens when they die because you're just like. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, things are restored to normal. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of it, I guess. So, so then we have... Much more we need to say about this yeah, story. and then, uh, you know, uh, I, w- I would like the one note that I haven't said yet that I want to note is I love the fact that there's an expanded role for Heimdall in this movie. Um, Idris Elba himself is, a, you know, a guy who can carry a movie, and so I love that they're like, man, hey, we need to work him into this a little bit more to be badass. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot. He's involved in some of the plots. And um, I think they kind of do an outro with, with Heimdall once again, where Thor and Heimdall were talking and kind of assessing the situation and saying that, you know, the gates are closed and everything's okay. And so then we learn Loki's gone. Um, yeah, and so we have some credit scenes. Uh, so Sif... And one of the warriors, I don't remember, Vandral, maybe? No, not, I don't know, the big one, the big beard sure. guy, and Sif, they go to a creepy, weird museum-looking place with the ether cube. Oh, they yeah, yeah, yeah. Benicio del Toro. Yep. You probably had no effing idea what was going on there, but what did you think of that scene? I thought it was weird. It reminded me of Mars Attacks. Like, and the girl brings him in, and she's, like, all futuristic-looking. She's got, like, purple-pink skin, and yeah. she's walking all weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was like, well, I don't... I never get these, but it makes sense in the next movie, so... It and Benicio Del Toro, I, he's an interesting actor, but, like, with that blonde hair, it's just weird. Yeah, he's definitely playing it up. He's having fun. He's doing weird, weird physical movements, and very strange. But, yes, that will absolutely come into play again. The thing that you should take away was that they said, <laughs> paraphrasing here, the Tesseract is on Asgard. It would be unwise to keep another Infinity Stone close to it. Mm. So we're giving you the ether. And so they said, one down, five more. Yeah. What do you think that means? Is that foreshadowing? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> do you feel like you've heard the term, the word infinity? title of any of these movies. Infinity Wars? Oh. I don't know what that means. I guess, I guess you're going to find out. Yeah, I mean, I guess 
I don't know, something that I'm learning is, like, some of these are more science fiction-y, alien, spacey than others. And I know, like, Thor is more so. But the ones that I like the most are the opposite of that. Like, I think that's why I liked Iron Man 3. Because it was, like, less comic book. Like, not that I want you to be less comic booky, but just more, like... Grounded. Yeah, more realistic. That's fair. Um, And so, like, when they end like that, like, it doesn't make me excited for the next one. And, you know, I'm still excited to do this, and I'm obviously going to keep doing it, but which is interesting to see. Quits the podcast immediately? No, like, I just, it's interesting to see, like, you know, how they play it up, and... Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I guess we will see. So, uh, yeah, there you go. That's Thor The Dark World. I mean, parting notes, you know, it was an hour and 54 minutes, and it felt longer than that. That's the sign of a bad movie. Mm -hmm. In general, I was driven insane, but it's, to me, it comes across as very... I do mean this in a, an offensive way. It's very Zack Snydery. It's very. It looks like a DC movie in some way. It likes there's a. I wouldn't say it's bad. Bad special effects, but it's just too damn dark to work a lot of times, and it was visually soupy and weird looking, and it made me think of the shitty CG that I remember seeing in the trailers for Justice League, which made me never actually see Justice League. To this day, I've never seen it. And I also haven't seen Batman vs. Superman. So I don't give a shit. It looks like garbage. And this movie, visually, mostly looked like garbage. So that was you know, that was a big turnoff for me. Um, yeah, I think it serves to really kind of kick off what, what will become known as the Infinity War. Um, or the War for the Infinity Stones. Um, it really starts to set that universe up, which that's exciting. But I think for the most part, this this is the most forgotten of the Marvel movies. People don't remember this movie. It's not a great movie. Hemsworth is cool. Um, yeah, he's great. And I think that was one of the things I didn't like, too, is like, it wasn't so much about him. It was like so much other stuff going on that it's like he was took the back seat. Yeah, yeah, I totally freaking agree with you. That is a very insightful thing. Because, you know, it, it implies that you understand that there's a, there could have been a different way to do this. They didn't let their star shine. Because mm-hmm. he's great. Whoever yeah. cast him in that role is great. Yeah, when he was a rookie and nobody knew who he was. Mm-hmm. Like, it's pretty insightful to be able to say, this dude's going to be a superstar. Mm-hmm. And I'm pleased to tell you, and this is not a spoiler, but Thor Ragnarok, the next Thor movie, which comes out way later Aww. in this series, it... 100% makes him a fucking superstar. Yay! Like, he, like Thor Ragnarok is so good. I can't I don't wait. want to overhype it for you, but okay, it's no, freaking great. So, so what's the next movie? Our next movie is going to be Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Oh, okay. What? Because <laughs> I thought it was that a few movies ago. Yes, that's not right. And then, I believe, we're going to go Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Which I've is, seen that. You have? I've seen it. What? Yeah. Chris Pratt as like a little raccoon or something. Yeah. <laughs> not quite, but that's. And funny. I am Groot. I, yes, and I am Groot. I am Groot is there. And then, I am Groot. And then, uh, and then we'll go um, Ant Man, Part One. Who, who plays Ant Man? Paul Rudd. Oh no. <laughs> and then Avengers Part Two. Oh. Okay. The Age of Ultron. Okay. Cool, All right. All right. Tune in next time for Captain America. Goodbye. Bye.
Oof. Okay, maybe Thor The Dark World was kind of bad. I think it's not so much that it's bad, it's just that it's boring and ultimately doesn't matter. But, as we said, luckily Thor goes in some much better directions in his future MCU films. Anyway, as always, tune in next week for another episode of the Movie Quest podcast presented by Nerd Nexus. That's nerd-nexus.com. Rate us highly wherever you listen to your podcasts, and please, of course, share with your friends. Thanks. <laughs>